Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Welcome to the Not So Daily Show, the show that comes to you daily, except when it doesn't. I'm your host, Timba Kevin. To my right, we have got multimedia journalist Sumeya Gaza. How are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. And to my left, we have got political analyst Nkateko Mabas. How are you doing, brother? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm great, man. So, guys, let's begin with the Anele Timber situation. She was laid to rest this Friday after a tragic death where she fell off the 10th floor of the Pepper Club Hotel in Cape Town. Some say this is a movie they've seen before with Reva Stenkamp, and AK deserves an Oscar for his role. Others say this was a case of depression and Anele was depressed because he has previously tried to jump off a hotel in Durban. I don't know. I don't want to speculate on what has happened or what might not have happened. But uh, when she was laid to rest at her farewell this past Friday, her dad in a letter wrote that he does not believe that Anele was uh, depressed or she was uh, chronically suicidal. I cannot allow an unfortunate narrative go unchallenged. A narrative that asks me to no end as a father, which is maliciously pervade in some circles, that Anele, my daughter, was a chronically suicidal or had suicidal tendencies. All I can say is that until she turned 21, Anele wouldn't consider taking her own life as a solution. As Anele's father, I hereby state categorically that Anele was neither suicidal nor did she commit suicide. So, like I said, I'm not going to go into that, but I do want to talk about the causes of death that have been um, suggested in the media, which, and the first one is depression. A lot of people on Twitter have the argument that Anele was seen being so happy and so joyful the night before. So I want to ask you guys, is it ignorant for the public to think that it is weird that someone who was seen to be happy had just gotten engaged and was seen partying and having a good time with her fiance the previous night might have committed suicide? From what you guys have learned, heard, or experienced regarding depression. I mean, I think, I think it is ignorant um, because but I, but, I, but I also think that that has to do a lot with the sort of mental health uh, awareness and education we have in, you know, as a South African society. Um, I do think it's ignorant because depression doesn't have one phase or two phases. Mm. It's, it's, a, it's a multitude. It's an experience that, that is contained in one person. And um, at any given moment of time, it could, it could manifest in a different way. So someone... Uh, you know, someone who's supposedly intoxicated, having a great time at the club, might be actually doing that as a form of escapism. Mm. Or so I, I, I don't think it's it is um, unthinkable that someone could have been having a great time See, at the club the night before and, and then jump off the building the next morning. The next morning, they could have been escaping from something and then you know decided when 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 you're quiet and you know the, the night is quiet and, and everything is over and. All the fun, the lights are gone. Everything comes back, so yeah. it's not unthinkable. Katek, what's your take, bro? No, I, th I completely agree with what you said. I think my addition would be our conversations about uh, depression need to be more open and it need to be more generational because, mm. you know, things like this, uh, I think it's not easy for a parent to consider or even accept that their child died of depression. Because yeah. you feel like I could have done something at yeah. an emotional level. 
you know. So I think we need to have a, a more wholesome conversation about how these um, sort of like primary caregiver relationships yes. affect yes. us at a later stage. Yes. And how do we reconcile with that? Uh, in a country where our parents don't believe in depression, yeah. they don't believe in getting therapy or help. Mm. So, you know, how do you bridge that gap? Exactly. And something that interesting that her dad said is that before 21, I think he said that he could not imagine Anela turning to suicide. So when she passed away, I think she was 22. And then you also mentioned that um, our youth is battling the scourge, always bedeviled by alcohol and drugs. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to understand the forces that put us in a situation that we find ourselves. Of course, we must, as a matter of extreme priority, deal with the scourge that bedevils our youth. Alcohol, which is overused, and drugs. Especially if we envisage our youth contributing meaningfully to our nation building and economic development efforts. Fellow South Africans, we had better wake up and smell the coffee. We have a serious problem with substance abuse and add to that other social ills, then we are in a crisis. And I just wanted to like further go into that. Is, is like, like you mentioned, our parents come from a different generation, right? Is it a case of like, but alcohol and drugs have been there throughout all these generations. Yeah. So is it a case of like our parents not knowing us? Or is it a case of our parents not knowing what our generation faces? Because as much as alcohol and drugs were there, our generation faces stuff like social media, faces, there's like a lot more that we are dealing with that sort of cause more severe cases of, or likelihood of depression. So I think, I think it's, a, it's, it's both, and I think it's more, it has more to do with the fact that our parents don't really know everything about us, mm. including the circumstances we face. Mm. So, for instance, like, Personally, even even if I like I've told my parents that I, I struggle with depression and my friends or also know my family knows, um, but no one really understands what depression is or no one really understands how you get to the point of suicide. So even when people know that you're struggling with depression, whether it's your parents or your friends, yeah. um, there's always that shock factor when it's when it's suicide. Yeah. So. I think I think I think it has to do with what Gatego said as well that like our parents don't believe in depression, mm. um, and also when you talk about the circumstances that we face today and how they're different to the circumstances they face. Yeah. I mean, obviously they had apartheid, which is yeah incomparable, but um, that doesn't necessarily reduce the pressures that the added pressures that we face today, and it's an, it's a matter of. Uh, figuring out as a child how much do I tell my parents? Uh, mm. How much is how much is useful? Like personally, this is how I deal with it. Yeah. Um, how much do I need to tell them? How much is actually useful for them to know? For them to know. Um, I don't want to tell. I don't want to burden them with things that they can't. They can't do anything about. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's a it's a combination of things, but definitely just a removal between what we're dealing with as as their children and True. you know 
what they what they are privy to True. As, as our parents. I think also not just our parents, but a lot of people that have faced, let's say, physical um, torture or like something that they regard as like tangible um, detriment can't imagine something in the mind being as bad. So like when you mention apartheid, if somebody lived through apartheid and you're telling them, I'm depressed, they're like, what? Snap out of it, you know? I think it's just like as generations go and like the future generation will be like, you guys were suffering from social media, you know, and it's just like that disconnect. But is there a cure for depression? Like, I know people say therapy and, but can it really, how, how, how do you really get assistance for, for it? I think, I mean, to put it, uh, to give a more lighter example, I would say, is there a cure for sadness? Mm. You know, really there isn't. There are, there are moments where you are happy in life, and then in life there are moments where you are hit by life's situations. Yeah. You know, I think it's a matter of how do you deal with those things, how mm. do you cope, and how do you not let it uh, get to you in the way that it used to. And therapy is good in sort of like giving you uh, either a system or a structure of support to help you meet life situation in a, in a better way, in a more emotionally healthier way. Yeah, um, yeah I think it would be very presumptuous of me to say you can never be depressed in life. Because, yeah. you know, life is life, it's unpredictable. Exactly. Yeah. I like how you put it when you call it sadness, because like for me, I really, I don't have much experience with depression per se, but I feel like everybody has their own mental health issues. Like I, I battle loneliness, like I struggle to be alone. You understand? And that gets me sad. But like in the way you put it, it sort of like almost like makes everybody understand that if, although it's caused by different things, the outcome is that you just you just find yourself in a sad slum. You know, so I think I think I like the way the way you put it. I mean to add yeah. sorry on what Sumeya said, I think the 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 conversation that needs to be had is that as you say that you know sadness and depression you know, are all connected with you feeling alone and by yourself. Yeah. And the question is, you know, our parents who went through apartheid and um, all those very traumatic issues, how alone do they feel? Yeah. And, you know, I'm here a child feeling alone, they are there a parent feeling yeah. alone as well. And I think yeah. if we were to maybe address those two yeah. things, it might help. Misdiagnosis. Sometimes you're feeling the same thing, but because the causes are different, you think it's two different things. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, can I just add something? Yeah. I think it's interesting, like talking about um, depression and sadness, and just generally mental health, because if you look at other forms of uh, mental illnesses, such as bipolar disorder, uh, just like depression is characterized by lows and highs, right? So. Those lows, whether you call them lows or sadness or, or depressive episodes, uh, are still um, something that needs to be dealt with because ultimately there's a root cause, and that's, yeah. that that root cause is from the mental mental illness. Um, to answer your question about is there a cure for depression, I think I think it depends, and I'm saying this as someone who graduated from psychology. <coughs> um, but I think. You know, depending depending on what triggers that depressive episode. Yeah. So is it a depressive episode because there's been a traumatic event in your life, 
or is it uh, a depression that has long been uh, see it's, it's uh, has been a, an, an ailment that has been long has yeah. been long standing yeah um, the 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 former can be cured mm. therapy medication um, you know and, and maybe uh, more sort of like coping mechanisms um, the latter not so much mm. and I think. I think as a society, now that we've, we've started having these conversations about mental health, yeah. there are ways that we can sort of work together to like a collective understanding, empathy, and some form yeah. of, of healing. Uh, true, I, I, yeah. Because, yeah, true. Even if it can't be cured, like the support, you know, they, even like with pharmaceuticals, there are some that don't cure but make you live a life where you even forget you suffer from anything. And that's through like togetherness, talking about it, you know, hearing that somebody else is going through the same thing, they're dealing with it. But yeah, yeah guys, sometimes being understood really helps. It does. Yeah. yeah. But guys, is there really anything wrong with alcohol and drugs? I mean, sure, they can be used in a bad way, but should we like really vilify them the way like alcohol and drugs are being vilified? If we took a poll, right? Well, okay, maybe as a new generation, we wouldn't be... If we took a poll and said, guys, were you raised by good parents? A lot of us would say, yeah, my parents are pretty good. But they were drinking all their lives. And now, like, I feel like everything that happens in society is just alcohol, drugs. Well, more alcohol. Drugs aren't talk, talked about as much as they should, even though they're as prevalent as alcohol. But is it really just as simple as where you see alcohol and drugs, that means, like, something is wrong? or someone is hiding, or someone's running away, can't they just be enjoying their lives? I mean, there's a reasonable stigma on alcohol and drugs because of... <laughs> reasonable? Well, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's understandable because of the effects it has had on people, family members, mm. you know, things like that. So it's reasonable that people are, you know, are not, have a negative uh, yeah, opinion yeah. Yeah, on, on, on alcohol and drugs. But I mean, we live in South Africa where it has become a, a, a coping mechanism for many mm. people. And I think that's where people are trying to, uh, to go to and address mm. that, okay, here's a, a social uh, issue that we are dealing with. Uh, how do we either reduce it or get rid of it? I and I think for most people, they say, okay, if people stop doing alcohol and drugs, then maybe so the problem, be yeah, a lot of things will be better. Um, I don't know, personally, I think it might be better, but I think it has to, we have to talk about the reason why people do alcohol and drugs. Yeah. You know, if we start talking about those things, then things will start becoming better. Conversation will start flowing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I agree with that. Um, I think with, with every sort of vice that we have as, as a society, um, even globally, there's, there's sort of like a neutrality to everything that we do. So social media is, ne is not necessarily good or bad. Yeah. Alcohol and drugs are not necessarily good, good or, or bad. bad. But we can't deny the reality that a lot of people struggle to practice self-control uh, when see. it comes to 100%. 100%. So what we really need to be talking about is the root to that inability or... Yeah, the, 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 the lack of, of, of inner will to actually self-moderate yeah. and, 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 you know, drink responsibly. Um, I don't know if you can recreationally use drugs responsibly. But if there, <laughs> is, if there is something like that, then, you know, that's something we can yeah. also talk about. Um, but I do think 
like Dr. Lego said, we live in South Africa. Where and, historically know, there are a lot of social ills. Yeah. There's a lot of things that we are genuinely just trying to escape from. Yeah. And I think if we interrogate that and start start having those conversations about why we're drinking so much, why we're mm. using so much drugs and and we start um, sort of talking about that in conjunction with mental health and mental illness, we can maybe achieve something. Yeah. Nah. I'm, I'm not saying it's a solution, but No, I fully agree. You can't can really somewhere. Yeah, you can't you can't separate them, especially in a country like South Africa. Mm. I, yeah. I would like to give an example with the uh, the tobacco issue during lockdown. Yeah, lockdown level one and level two. Is that you know it's it's as understandable to to ban cigarettes because you are trying to curb a pandemic. Yeah. But also you must consider people who smoke that most of them physiologically they are dependent. It's an addiction on nicotine. Exactly. So it's unreasonable to just say Cold stop. Turkey. Yeah. yeah. If you do want someone to stop, then put up the structures yeah. to help them, to support them. For me, it was a very stop. big lack of... Uh, the government showed a very big lack of understanding mm-hmm. when, they, when they banned uh, cigarettes, tobacco. Yeah. Because everybody knows it's not a choice. It's not an everyday yeah. choice you make. Mm-hmm. You know, once, you, once your body is addicted to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I do think there were a lot of errors that the government made, especially with the lockdowns and COVID and everything. Yeah. But uh, later on in the show, we'll revisit that because I want to talk about COVID. But unfortunately, the week it's been, um, suicide has to be the segue to the next topic. Uh, last week, Friday, Lufuno Mabunga was also laid to rest after she committed suicide following a bullying, a bullying incident that happened at Mbili High School in Venda. So, hey guys, this was a very painful one, especially for me, like a young girl taking her life because of bullying. Like growing up, you see guys being bullied and you don't take it as seriously because like you're part of the system and it seems so normal to you. But looking, looking, uh, being outside, looking in and looking at this young girl being bullied firstly physically and then that video going online and her almost being bullied uh, socially and cyber-bullied as well, to a point where she committed suicide and she wrote a letter and said, like, did this girl have to embarrass her in front of the whole country? That, that just cut so much deeper. So I don't know, I want to ask your personal views if you guys are uncomfortable, but like, bullying has, has growing up, has it been a thing that has been like just common and accepted or did you guys already feel like this thing could be a life-threatening event? Like, have you seen bullying take place in the sense where like, either it's life-threatening, somebody could get killed, or somebody could get so embarrassed that they would want to take their own life? Um, yeah, I think I remember in, when I was in high school. Yeah, I was in high school. And I had a classmate that also committed suicide. Um, but you know, at that age, you just hear what happened, and most people don't want to talk about, you know, the nitty gritties or the details of, 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 of it. Um, I mean, things like this, when you're a child, are very, very big. Mm. You, you don't see beyond them, yeah. especially when uh, it has made national uh, news on social media you feel like you will be defined like that your whole life. Yeah. And you go to a point where you, 
Yeah, like what's the point of, of, of going on? Um, the, the challenge is obviously support, you know, teachers, principals, parents, uh, from politicians on high, to just as a society, um, yeah, we don't know how to deal with bullying because bullying happens in all sectors of society. Uh, it, it just it takes on different forms. At work, uh, yeah. In, in, yeah, very much incorporated. Exactly. Very much in churches. Social, in churches. You know, so yeah. uh, it's just that it resulted in this young girl, you yeah. know, uh, taking her own life. And many others that we don't know about that go unnoticed. unnoticed. Uh, so it's a, it's a serious national crisis. Mm. So I, yeah. I mean, for me, like, as you're asking this question, I, I find it very interesting because now I'm thinking of myself as a child. So I, I was bullied as a child, but I also was a bully. And while I was being a bully, I didn't think it was a big deal. But also when I was being bullied, I was, I was cut up by it, but I never... I don't know, it, just, it didn't feel like it impacted me as much at the time. And I remember, so the person I was bullying was, was Chubby. Mm. And my friend and I used to make fun of her like all the time. Mm. And I mean, the, the twisted thing is that I was, I was making fun of this girl and thinking, why doesn't she get that it's funny? Yeah. You know? And she reported us to our teacher and, she, and our teacher spoke to us. And since that day, I stopped. Because mm. I realized, oh, okay, actually, this is serious. I shouldn't be doing this. Um, it's it, it is hurting her, and so when I when I think about that, I never thought of bullying as something that could be deadly until seeing this. Yeah, and well, this is with a history of being on both ends of bullying. I never thought of it as something that could be deadly. And I like what you said. Like I I don't think my, of myself as somebody who has been a bully, but because I think I'm a wise ass, I make jokes that like people probably don't like to hear but like because it's not consistently aimed at someone i never thought of that as bullying until like now i would probably think if the joke is funny and people laugh at it it probably sticks with someone for me the person that bullied me when i was in grade three i still remember them and we're friends now but i don't forget that you bullied me and i'm like okay sure you know so i know you don't get over this stuff so like that's the sad part of like but um how much how much is too far obviously we don't want to live in a sensitive society where you can't say anything but like <laughs> unless we do but yeah like there's something that's just like banter you know it's just like fun we make jokes and we don't take it anywhere but then there's some stuff that stick and the reason i say that is because with this lufuno situation right there there was a few people on social media that hit up at miss south africa and said why aren't you saying anything you're posting about other stuff and people went at her, made a trend number one, and they were bullying her. Mm. So I was like, what relationship do we have with bullying where we can be so tight that somebody got bullied and we bully someone else to speak out on somebody that gets bullied? Don't we reconcile that this is the same thing? Mm. And oftentimes, the people that are bullied don't see themselves when they bully because when you do it, it's not such a big deal. Mm. And I think like, that's the sad part of like... Mm. We, don't, we can't differentiate between physical bullying, cyber bullying, and what you said. Mm. Bullying happens everywhere. Yeah. Bullying happens everywhere. But I mean, also, I think the issue with bullying is that k 
kids who bully at school are bullied at home. Mm. So they learn their behavior from there. Because you don't just start bullying kids out of nowhere. It's sort of like you are taught how to handle a situation. Yeah. So even in this case, people are, are angry, the fact that this lady uh, took her life, but then the only method of problem solving they have is to bully. To bully other people. So to say, government, why aren't you doing this? Exactly. Eva, why aren't you doing this? And that's also like a sense of mm. bullying. If you can't control your anger mm. and it leads to outrage yeah. aimed at someone else, that is yeah. bullying. Yeah. Exactly. So, I, mean, yeah. I remember seeing a lot of tweets about people saying that um, if that was their sister that was being beaten up on camera, mm. they would shop at the school and throw hands. And I can't say that I'm above that. Mm. Like I would probably like if if it was my youngest. I mean, I'm not really good at throwing hands, but it's <laughs> something I would I would take under consideration. Yeah. Um, but the real problem here is that we don't know how to deal with bullying. Yeah. Because I remember, like when I was in school as well, teachers were also bullies. Like I was bullied by yeah, teachers. Yeah, exactly. You know? So. It, I mean, it was already it was already hard enough having to deal with being bullied by other kids because I look different. Um, but also, when you know you can't count on teachers to have your back, it's just it, it doesn't send a good message. Yeah. So you say you look it's different. It's about dealing with it. In what sense? Sorry. What What do you mean you look different? Oh, I mean, well, I, I was the only I was the only black kid in my grade at the time, so uh, I remember being bullied by teachers and. So racially bullied yeah. in a way. Yeah, I think we don't realize how many forms, like different forms, yeah. bullying takes on. But also, if you are in an environment where there's a lot of bullying happening, you automatically think, okay, this, this is how we do things. Yeah. You know? And I'm not saying that's why I was bullying this, this girl, but I, I, I wonder how much of my experience impacted that. That's desensitizing. Like, exactly, yeah. a lot of us are learning now that we, some people don't realize they were bullied or they were bullies until mm -hmm. now when you look at it from outside and you see how it affects other people. <laughs> But yeah, before we close, I just want to touch on uh, South Africa's vaccine rollout or leg thereof. Some people have uh, compared our vaccine rollout to Big Sean's girlfriend's, Janae's uh, last name, Varti Aiko, at all. So, <laughs> so now, after, <laughs> after selling the, uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine, which they said had 20-something percent efficacy against mild to moderate illness, in promise of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which was supposed to be uh, in rollout right now, that one has also been stopped after America's Food and Drug Administration uh, recommended that America stops it. South Africa has also stopped it because uh, six people, six women had blood clots from, from this vaccine. This is out of six million people that have apparently taken the vaccine. So now with South Africa, the question that I have is that Firstly, why are we just doing everything that America does? Why are we not making our own decisions? Because the AstraZeneca vaccine being gone, other African countries are using it. They have a better rollout program than us. Also, this vaccine was said to be effective against severe illness, and people have since died, like Dr. Cindy Fanzale, who is a medical practitioner and she would have had the vaccine because she was amongst the first in line. How, like, South African government what is, is, do you guys think there is a plan? Because now they've promised us the Pfizer vaccine that is coming. What do you guys make of this vaccine rollout that we seem to be not having? 
I think it has been poorly handled from the very beginning. I think my issue is that we don't have enough information to make a proper judgment call on the vaccine. From the very beginning, there has been mistakes of expiry dates, there is recalling of a vaccine, but the issue is that vaccines normally take longer to make, so this was rushed and there is no citizen uh, education about yeah. what these vaccines have, they don't have, how do I differentiate between one and the, and other? the other? On a personal level, I can't put my life on this thing. Yeah, and for me, I also always had a problem with people campaigning with, just take the vaccine, it will save your life, just take the vaccine. Mm -hmm. Then we're like, okay, what's in the vaccine? Why was it so quick? What are the dangers? Mm -hmm. No, there are no dangers. It's impossible. Nothing does not have dangers, yeah. you know? And if you just come out and be honest with that, then you get a better buy-in. Because I've always said, guys, we know COVID uh, comorbidities are a problem, age is a problem, weight is a problem, right? Those people have a lot more risk. Now you compare that with the risk of the vaccine not going well, then you understand if I'm at risk, I might choose to take it. But if I'm not at risk, why are you angry at me for not wanting to take it as a healthy 25-year-old or 20, you know? So that's always been my problem. Like, there's a lack of education. And with the choices the government keeps making, it shows that they don't know either. They just yeah. listen to someone saying, it's good, tell them it's good. Then tomorrow they say, ah, it's bad, tell them it's bad. And I'm like, yeah. you're our government. How are you so uninformed? I mean, I think, I think it doesn't help that uh, big Pharma has this bad reputation as it is. So mm. all of this confusion, and not just in South Africa, there's been a lot of vaccine yeah. confusion across, mm, across the, globe. the globe. And that doesn't help when we know how these pharmaceutical companies operate. Exactly. And like Ngatego said, the fact that it was so quick when we know vaccines to take a very long time. Mm -hmm. And I understand there's like a sense of urgency. See, a lot more money and yeah. stuff that they say is put in. So, like, understand that, but it just, it, it doesn't inspire confidence when we yeah. see how quickly it has happened. And then we also start publicly, like, we start watching these public displays of confusion yeah. with the, the, the expired the vaccines. Disease. At some point in the US, there was something about the J&J vaccines. Mm. Uh, with incorrect ingredients, so they had to be called. Call them. So there's just, I mean, mm. again, I I don't think I would take the vaccine now. Yeah. Um, my strategy is watch how it goes. <laughs> watch how it goes. Watch how it goes with the beta group, and then you know, make <laughs> yeah. a decision after, like, you know. And I totally agree with you, especially when it comes to big pharma. Why are vaccines? Why do vaccines come with zero refund policies? Why do you like? It shows it's a business at the end of the day. Now they want to introduce vaccine passports, which is like, if you haven't taken the vaccine, you can't travel to certain countries, you can't go overseas, you can't go to theaters, you can't go, you can't go watch sports matches because you haven't taken the vaccine. So it's like, okay, now you're forcing me to take the vaccine, even if I didn't want to. But at the end of the day, the government is paying for that vaccine. So it does look like a business strategy. And I think it's interesting because there's, there's been a lot of like uh, public affirmations that you know no one is going to be forced to take the vaccine. It's your choice. It's your but choice. if there's going to be vaccine passports, then that's not in really yeah. choice. Mm -hmm. And so many governments first came out to say you're not going to be forced to mm -hmm. take the vaccine. Mm -hmm. But now it's like if you don't take the vaccine, you're in quarantine for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Is that not forcing me to take the vaccine? Mm -hmm. So yeah.
What do you think of the vaccine passport strategy? Um, I think everyone is just trying to find ways to go back to a normal where we can now use the um, use the economy better mm. because that's the focus now is that economies are, are, are crumbling, businesses are failing, so how do we best manage the situation? Yeah, um, yeah I think the challenge is that we struggle with leadership. Uh, I once remember a talk where uh, President, former President Tabombek spoke about how when they were in office, they actually were not aware of these international modern things that were happening. Mm. Things like internet, they had no idea what internet was, was. and they had to learn on the job. Mm. So you see, uh, that can put us as a country at a disadvantage, right. where our leaders have to now catch up exactly. to these modern things. Exactly. And I think that's what's happening right now, is that our uh, leadership on top are not as informed, and now they must just uh, figure things out as it goes. And that's a great point because in the past, the government was privy to information we didn't have. Mm. Now, before they stopped exactly. J and J rollout in South Africa, mm. I know they've stopped it in America, and I'm looking at them yeah. to see what they're gonna do. Mm. But in the past, America would tell them silently, mm. then they'd come to us, and they'd look more smarter, more informed. But now yeah. you realize that these guys are just winging it yeah. and going with with the flow. You might as well listen to Dr. Yeah. Fauci instead of but I'm, Dr. Zueli because he's gonna say whatever Fauci said two weeks ago. Yeah, I mean to add on what you said. I think also it brings the dynamics of now we have a leadership that is leading people who know more than them, them. or yeah. who have more access to information, information more, more than, than them. Exactly. And, you know, that can cause uh, yeah, serious issues in how the country is run. In one, yeah. yeah, I think ultimately um, we, we could manage COVID, the pandemic as a whole, much better if there's better information, mm. uh, open information, yeah. and also like just a, a cohesive sense of, of, of virus and vaccine management. Mm. Because right now, yeah. we have people like me, people like people like you, who are not too keen on taking the vaccine because, I mean, there's nothing that has convinced us that yeah. it's a good idea so far. 100%. And exactly. we have people who are just, I want to go back out vaccinate me now or I'm so I'm so terrified of dying mm. from COVID vaccinate me now and neither of those are healthy approaches 100%. so if if we really want to achieve this um, or like some sort of um, you know normalcy mm. there needs to be better management better information and better access to information yeah exactly now I totally agree <laughs> Hi, guys, thank you so much for joining me. That's where we're going to leave it for today. Uh, I really appreciate you guys coming through. Are there any thoughts that you guys want to drop before we close? Um, as a country, South Africa, we can do better. Mm. I think uh, we have a lot of creativity and ideas out there. Uh, my concern is apathy amongst the youth. Uh, everyone is more concerned about their own things and rather than looking at as a collective how can we create a new political settlement outside of the establishment mm. because that's what we are struggling yeah, is that young people millennials centennials need to figure out um, their future in south africa 100%. and then decide that 
no, we are going to be the new leaders. Yeah, person. Yeah. Mm. And I think just touching on all the topics we sort of spoke about, so, uh, suicide, depression, mental health, um, drugs and alcohol, vaccine, uh, virus, it all boils down to the type of leadership we have. Yeah. So whether it's in school where you don't have proper training and proper sensitization around bullying, whether it's on a, on a more national level where we talk about these things more openly and more honestly, it, it boils down to the type of leadership we have. And if we can get that right, we might be able to accomplish what we're actually uh, capable of. 100%. Now, I totally agree with both of you. And I think even like with us, with a show like this, it's almost uh, attempt to get young people involved in this type of things to make their own decisions. Say, guys, you can't wait till you're 40 to listen to the president. You, you, these things affect you from when you're a kid, you know. So the jokes are funny and we like the jokes, but it's just to catch people's, <laughs> you know, attention. Say, guys, yo, these people are making decisions on stuff we know about, you know, and we can put pressure on them to make different decisions or take more time to research those decisions. And we can't just accept it for what it is. So, yeah. Again, thank you guys for coming through. Very informative conversation, and I hope we do this again. So until next time, guys, don't forget, we're at Seam Coffee. Do visit them, 3 Campbell Road. And also don't forget to like, subscribe, share the channel with a friend. Cheers.